Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 30th day of July. I'm Paul. It's Mark chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. We're going to finish up this little story of Jesus being anointed at Bethany on his way into Jerusalem. Well, that's not really true. He's he's going in and out of Jerusalem every day on Passion Week. So he's actually just come from Jerusalem, stops at Bethany, spends the evening. He's anointed by a woman who breaks an alabaster box of ointment, fragrant oil, spikenard. These are all words that the Gospels use. It costs about 300 denarius. That's about a year's, or denarii is the plural of denarius, about a year's wages uh, by any economic Standard, regardless of how much you make, um, one year of wages for any person is a significant amount of money. It's a whole year of your life. This woman, we don't know anything else about her, has done what she wants to do. She's been accused by the disciples of wasting, which I think is unbelievable statement considering what she poured the oil on, which is Jesus, who she poured the oil on. Can you imagine saying, wow, that was a waste (laughs) and the object of the oil is Jesus. So in effect, well, it's a waste of time to pour this on Jesus. Um, This kind of shows you too that they don't yet hold Jesus where they will hold Jesus post-resurrection. And I'm not going to cut them down for that, but that's an interesting thing to think about. Jesus says to them in verses, let's read 8 and 9 today to conclude this. In preparation for the essay edition tomorrow, we'll get to that in a moment. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Two things that stand out to me in the eighth verse. One is she has done what she could. Okay, let's put that aside for a second. And then two, she's anointing my body for burial. Fascinating phrase. I want to deal with it last. Let's deal with them in order. She did what she could means she did exactly what she was capable of doing. No more, no less. Jesus is not commending her for doing a lot. He's not saying, why? That's not a waste. I'm worth a year's wages. No. She did what she could. All that is ever asked is that you do what you can. It's not asked by the Spirit that you do what you can't. And so what the Holy Spirit inspires you to do will be what you are capable of doing. He will not put more upon you than you're capable of doing. If God invites Abraham to leave the land of his fathers and go to a land he will show him, he's capable of taking him to the land he shows him. If Jesus says, get on the boat, let's go to the other side, he's capable of taking you to the other side. He never asks you to do more than you can. He never puts more there than you're capable. And he doesn't require more of you than you can give. This is why we don't live under percentage giving. Percentage giving would be devastating for some people's personal economics. But they can do what they can. That's why Paul told the Corinthians, don't give of compulsion or of necessity, but each one according to their own measure, their own giftedness, their own blessing. So do what you can. And that's not just financially, 
That's in every way. I ask it of you, the DDP listeners, to do what you can to help us. But I don't put a price tag on it and say, God's going to do this for you if you do this for us. I don't have that right. I don't command God by my words, and neither can I merchandise the gospel by my request. And that's also intimidating, and it's manipulative. So what can you do with what you have? And that's something that you ought to be going before the Lord with in any area of your life. What am I capable of here? Not at, not being asked to do more than I'm capable. So she did what she could. She's come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Now, before I jump on that, because I love that line, I want to read verse 9, the next verse, because it's the next verse, I think, that really shows us how big that line is from verse 8. Here's 9. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Jesus thinks that what she has done is so important that what she has done is a core of the gospel that will be preached to the whole world. So I ask you, what is a core of the gospel? That you give all you can give? Or is it that last line, she's come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. No one in the room is thinking about Jesus dying. And if you die in that culture, the body lays out so that you can anoint it to be buried. And, though, and then you go afterwards to anoint the body after it's buried. And then you seal the tomb for the final time, usually after three or four days. And then you let the bones rot the body rot, and then you, or the, the body, not the bones, and then you take the bones and you put them in the family chest, the ossuary. That allows you to reuse the tombs. These are above ground caves. To anoint the body pre burial could indicate one of two things or both. One, she's the only person in the room that actually believes he's going to die who has accepted the fact that the cross is coming. But two, and this to me is most impressive, she might be the only person who's thinking ahead that he's not going to be in the grave long enough for me to go anoint him. So I'm going to anoint him now. I think this is why Jesus says, surely, as wherever this gospel's preached, what she's doing is going to be a memorial because here's a woman whose faith believes that she needs to anoint the body now because this body isn't going to be corrupted like David's. When David, that's how the New Testament preaches the resurrection. As David went into the ground and was corrupted, the son of David goes into the ground and is not corrupted. And so the core of the gospel is not do what you can. The core of the gospel is Jesus is alive. <laughs> the core of the gospel is he goes to the cross, he resurrects, she anticipates both by anointing his body before he goes to the cross. What an act of faith. And once again, the ladies lead the way. You find this a lot in the Gospels if you really pay attention. Now, tomorrow, 31st day of July, Judas agrees to betray Jesus in verses 10 and 11. I'm going to concentrate the essay on Judas Iscariot and his betrayal. We're going to use as a launching point the 10th and the 11th verses. I'm excited about this. Got some things to say. Join us tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless.